On the afternoon of the 13th of May, 1862, if you'd been walking past St. Stephen's, the pepper canister church on Dublin's Mount Street Crescent, and then turned onto Herbert Street, you might possibly have heard that music, Handel's Harmonious Blacksmith, coming from one of the handsome brick terraced houses there, number two to be precise. You'd have been overhearing a private concert, friends, family and a few hangers-on gathered in the drawing-room at the home of John and Mary Stanford. Playing the piano was their brilliant nine-year-old son, Charles, or, as everyone called him, Charlie. Charlie Stanford was already beginning to get noticed as a bit of a prodigy. He'd inherited his parents' musical talent and clearly built on it, with a bit of his father's anarchic sense of humour thrown in. Along with that handle, Charlie's first recital included a Beethoven rondo, a couple of Mendelssohn's songs without words, an air and set of variations by Mozart, along with an étude by Ignaz Moscheles, a composer then still much admired, and a Bach fugue to finish. If asked for an encore, Charlie could have even produced one or two little pieces of his own. Already he was showing unusual musical abilities, and as time wore on, it was clear that this was only the start. His second solo recital, Bigger and Better, Music All from Memory, followed on a couple of years later and even attracted a reviewer. The music journal, Orchestra, printed the following. Master Stanford is doubtless destined for a great position in the musical world, should it be his choice to follow the divine art as a profession. This is one piece he played from Weber's Rondo Brillant, La Gaieté.
When we think of Charles Stanford nowadays, we perhaps imagine a slightly imposing figure, the composer and music professor presiding at the heart of British musical life of the late 19th and early 20th centuries with his positions in London and Cambridge and connections with the musical centres of continental Europe and North America. Though he may have left Dublin in 1870, aged 18, he never forgot Ireland or lost his accent. So what were the sounds he grew up with? Where does his story begin? In Stanford's not-always-reliable memoir, entitled Pages from an Unwritten Diary, published in 1914, he even recalls the cries of street vendors, reproducing them in musical notation. But we should really turn back to 2 Herbert Street and meet Charlie's first musical influences. John Stanford, 
Charlie's dad, was an unforgettable man to any who met him. A towering, charismatic presence, standing six foot four, a born actor with a wicked sense of humour and an erratic temper. He was also, in many people's eyes, one of Dublin's finest singers. He trained with the famous teacher, Domenico Crivelli, and even performed alongside no less a figure than the great opera star Luigi Lablache. Along with his friend, the great choral conductor Joseph Robinson, John attended the world premiere of Felix Mendelssohn's oratorio Elijah at Birmingham in 1846. They determined to bring it to Dublin and, sure enough, performed it the following year at the ancient concert rooms on Great Brunswick Street, now Pierce Street, with John Stanford singing the bass baritone role of the prophet himself. We just heard a bit of it there, Elijah's aria, Lord God of Abraham. Everyone said he could have made a career on the stage, but as Charles later puts it in his pages from an unwritten diary, John's family prevented him from becoming an opera singer. For them, it would have meant a scandal which would have shaken their character and traditions to the core. Being a professional musician was simply out of the question in the Dublin society of the time, and so a lawyer he became. Happily, John did not stop his own son's ambitions when the time came, but knowing this should make us wary of looking down on the so-called musical amateurs of this time. Some of them were very good indeed. John's wife, Mary, was a fine pianist, and it was their love of music that brought them together. While she had no public career, she could still play to concerto standard and, naturally enough, was Charlie's first teacher. After her, he went on to study with Elizabeth Meek. This lady was a former pupil of Moscheles and was often compared to the wonderful Clara Schumann. She laid great emphasis on touch and tone, achieving a velvety finish to her playing that Stanford long remembered, teaching him to play at sight, as he put it, she made me play every day after my lesson a mazurka of Chopin, never letting me stop for a mistake, and, if I did shy at a difficulty, reiterating, go on, go on, don't stutter.
A similar attitude to Miss Meek, the quick realization and trusting of Charlie's abilities, came from the man who became his first real musical mentor, Robert Prescott Stewart, organist at both Dublin cathedrals and later professor of music at Trinity College. Stuart would show Charlie the ropes by having him with him up in the organ loft, in theory to turn pages and change stops, but really to observe everything and be able to step in as a deputy. Indeed, one Sunday at St. Patrick's Cathedral, Stuart was called away near the end of a service, shortly before the organ voluntary was meant to start. So he turns to the teenager and says, Here, Charlie, play something, and headed off. The story goes that Stanford promptly took his place at the instrument and began playing Bach's St. Anne Prelude and Fugue from memory. Another important stimulus in Charlie's Dublin childhood was the chance to hear musicians from abroad. Both Robert Prescott Stewart and Joseph Robinson, and also Joseph's wife, Fanny Robinson, taught at the then Irish Academy of Music before it became royal. The Robinsons, in turn, frequently hosted recitals at their home on Fitzwilliam Square, and through these, young Charlie got to meet and hear such figures as the piano virtuoso Sigismund Thalberg, considered by many the equal of Franz Liszt, and also Johannes Brahms's great friend, the brilliant violinist Josef Joachim. As Stanford describes, I was taken to a concert on Fitzwilliam Square where I saw and heard for the first time the greatest artist of our time, Josef Joachim. The pieces he played were the Kreutzer Sonata and the G minor fugue of Bach. He was then only 31. The impression he gave me at once was that of an inevitable rightness of every note and phrase he played. When I went to see Joachim the next morning, he was in an instant as much a boy as I, and a friendship began which lasted till his death. I can never overestimate the value of his influence on my life and work. What a wonderful thing to say. From this instinct to connect, 
it's not hard to see how Charlie grew to become not only a great musician and teacher, but also someone open to the wider world of music, a journey that would lead him to London, Berlin, Leipzig, Vienna, even Bayreuth. But Dublin had given him an invaluable start, one he would never forget. Here's music from one of those pieces he heard Joachim play, Beethoven's Kreutzer Sonata. You're listening to RTE Lyric Live 